This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. I got the chance to check out Mick Foley's Nice Day Tour Live. CM Punk shoots on his infamous pipe bomb promo. Roads to the Top is a thing that we talk about here. And Brian Danielson on people walking around on eggshells around Vince McMahon in the WWE. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I had the very awesome pleasure of getting to attend one of Mick Foley's live events. I attended the uh, Have a Nice Day Tour, or the Nice Day Tour, I believe it was actually called. Uh, regardless, fan-fucking-tastic experience. I don't know if any of you, I'm sure some of you have had the chance to go check out Foley Live, but if you have not had a chance to see his stand-up, and it comes to you anytime soon or in the near future or anything like that, please, please go out of your way to check it out. He was fantastic. He was so good. There was a, uh, it was a small venue, very small venue uh, in my hometown here. And uh, I would say there probably wasn't more than 300 people there. I would say that that's that's a fair estimate. The venue was sold out, though. It was a small building. Uh, it's the same kind of venue that has a lot of like local bands and, and rappers and, and has had some smaller uh, nationally touring acts that come play there as well. Uh, there was a local uh, opener, a local comedian that did the opener. He was really funny. Uh, they definitely picked a good guy. I don't know who does the scouting or hiring for that. I don't know if uh, you know, they're just ask the venue to book a local act or I, I don't know, but, uh, he was from the hometown here, but he was, he was very funny. Foley came out right away next. There was no big wait or anything like that. He is a very large man. Uh, I was right up close. I was within 10 feet of him. I was in like maybe the third row, fourth row seats were set right off the stage. So, I mean, I definitely could have gotten up and went and tried to spear him. Uh, I would have failed miserably and gotten my ass kicked and then thrown out. But I could have if I wanted to. And it possibly crossed my mind. In any event, he was a very large man, a very commanding man. He had a, he added, uh, he absolutely had a big presence to him. He felt larger than life he was just there in like this weird three faces of foley over shirt and then a, a cactus jack shirt and then a pair of sweatpants and a fanny pack but i mean he looked good he was bigger he was he was a you know very like i said a very big man um but he looked he looked healthy and, and he was in a good mood and uh he just told a lot of great stories. He seemed to have his kind of set set that he goes through, but uh, a lot of them are good. There were just a couple things that I've heard him talk about before other or read about in his book, um, but other than that, they were mostly original stories. He was very funny, but it wasn't stand-up comedy. You know, he... I don't know if he worked on his set with a comedian or he just has that sense of comedic timing but he had a way of telling his stories in a funny entertaining way maybe that just comes with experience you know of doing these shows um they're, they're just wrestling stories but he had punchlines and just the way he tells his tales you know he has a way of captivating you and then you're just hanging on his every word i was smiling I was just like a geeky little girl the whole time that Foley was on stage. Like, I just had the biggest shit-eating grin. I was starstruck. I was looking at a childhood hero. I was always, I was looking at this man the entire time like, that guy wrestled The Undertaker. <laughs> that, that guy wrestled Sting. 
That guy wrestled Vader. That guy wrestled Shawn Michaels. I like. I just kept thinking like The Rock, Stone Cold. You know, like I, I, I kept reminding myself of how how important this guy was in wrestling history. How much of an icon I was actually looking at. Um, I was trying to. I was close enough to be able to see, if, you know, if I could see some scars or whatever. You know, his face. He's got wrinkles and stuff too, so it's hard to tell. I mean, he's, you know, it's hard to tell, but it's fun to be able to see him up close like that. Uh, just a fantastic set, like a fantastic experience. Paid twenty five bucks for the ticket. Uh, they had twenty five, like it was all general admission, right? Like there was no set seat or anything like that. Um, you could do 25 just to get in to see the show, or you could do 50 for the meet and greet. And then uh, I didn't do the meet and greet, of course. I had to work the next day and everything, and it was a late show. So, But uh, people pay the extra 50 bucks. They got to meet Mick Foley, and, and Foley was great. He was very gracious. Uh, he did most of, like, half of his set, or, or half of the show time, I should say, was his set maybe three quarters, and then the rest was question and answer. There was a lot of stupid fucking questions that were asked, you know, like, who would you rather face? And just, I don't know, weird, like, you get you get to ask Mick Foley one question, and that's what you're going to ask him. So I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that a little bit. I tried to ask, especially because I was, I was trying my damnedest to ask a question, but... He was squinting a lot, and, like, I don't know if just the way the light was shining, like, he literally couldn't even see my hand, because he never even looked at me. Like, he it wasn't like, uh, oh, I, I see you, but I'm going to look for somebody else to answer. Like, I don't think he ever saw that I even had a hand up. So, um, there was that, I guess, but it was just, it was, like I said, I was smiling the whole time. I was hanging on his every word. He had my attention from go. It wasn't boring, it wasn't slow, it wasn't too long, it wasn't too short. It was funny, it was entertaining, it was intimate, you felt personal. Uh, he had a thing, like somebody had a camera out, and, and you know, I wanted to get a picture of him, and he said almost right away, you know, no phones out. He's like, uh, you know, like the type of stories that I'm going to tell here today, some of them I don't want getting out. So he, he basically said in different words that you know the types of stories that i'm gonna tell here tonight uh are gonna directly correlate with how many cameras i see out if we don't have any cameras i might say some stuff that i might not say to other people and he did a little bit um you know i'm not gonna put him on blast or anything but i mean he did take just a tiny little dig at hogan i guess was the only thing of substance which is pretty safe i mean hogan's an easy guy to take digs at right so other than that like he was just just a phenomenal it was ugh. i felt like i got to bask in the glory of a childhood hero there's no better way to say it i don't know what else to add to it? I'm not going to sit and give away like his set or anything like that. I want you to see it. I just recommend like if he comes to your town and you're like, eh, I'm not really feeling a stand-up or just go fucking see it. You got to, if any of you have ever met Mick Foley, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting several wrestlers and like rappers and bands and stuff like that in my history, but very rarely have I ever been like starstruck. And I would say, like, even when I had my hand up for my question, like, I was nervous, like, I was gonna mess it up or something. Like, I was just gonna open my mouth and my tongue would just tie itself in knots and fall on the floor, you know? Like, I was intimidated. It was Mick fucking Foley. It was just, it was just great. And I value that experience and it's high on my list of shows that i've gone to it really really is like not related to wrestling shows you know like i've gone to obviously wrestling shows that are better than that but mix better than a lot of concerts that i've gone to like i really valued the experience i had there worth every penny go out of your way to go see mick foley 
um, just I'm thankful I got the chance to see it. It was fucking great. Super excited, and that's I don't have a lot else to say about it. But Mick Foley is awesome, and and he's definitely a star and has that star presence, and just turned me into a soupy puddle of youth. Brian Danielson was asked the differences between AEW and WWE on his latest podcast and interview rounds. Check out this clip where he talks about the difference between AEW and WWE backstage, as well as some insight on Vince McMahon. That's right, pal. Check out this clip. But give me, what are you noticing biggest differences between WWE and AEW from sort of backstage, creative, production, anything like that that, you, that you're noticing? So it's, it's a little more relaxed. Uh, you know, people, people are walking around, uh, I don't know, less, a little bit less stressed, I would say. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, in WWE, like, uh, you know, I've had a lot of great times in WWE, but sometimes there are some more stressful moments. I haven't seen that yet in AEW, although I'm sure there will be. I mean, anytime you're producing live television, there's going to be stress. Uh, I think for some talent, it's the idea of uh, we don't, we, oh, are we going to be used? Are we not going to be used? What do I need? Walking on, I think there's also a feeling of, sometimes walking on eggshells like if you do the wrong thing somebody's going to see it or whatever that sort of thing and i and i don't know i don't know why that specifically is the case but uh and so, some of it comes from i think people fear vince in a way that maybe they shouldn't sometimes like um yeah i one of the things that i, I think is i wish people could see vince more how how i've gotten to see him um in the sense of uh, the humanity, you know, and that sort of thing. So Brian doesn't see any reason why people should walk on eggshells around Vince. He likes Vince. He gets along with Vince. He has a good relationship with Vince. He feels Vince is misunderstood. That uh, people don't really need to walk around on eggshells and such. But uh, you know what? I can think of a list of 100 people that were just recently fired that would probably say different. I don't know. That's just me. But, uh, you know, a guy like Brian never cared. I think that's part of it. A guy like Brian never really cared. He would easily be happy just going to wrestle in a high school gym somewhere. And he knew he wouldn't have to do that. He would have got a job in New Japan or... You know, if AEW never existed, he would have been fine with Ring of Honor or wherever. He don't give a shit. He just wants to wrestle. So he was never scared to lose his job to begin with. He didn't care the first time he was fired before he was even a big star. When he was fired for the uh, Justin Roberts thing, he just like, all right, well, now I can get more on my indie bookings. He didn't care. He also elaborated on that and said he actually did choke Justin Roberts. Uh, because he didn't trust that Roberts knew how to sell. So if the guy is not going to sell right for me, I'm probably just going to have to choke him for real. And he did, and that's uh, why he got fired. So it wasn't just that he was choking a guy. Um, you know, it might have had more to do with the fact that Justin Roberts had red marks around his neck. Uh, but hey, I'm sure he was just fine with it. But yeah, the lack of eggshells, I mean, wrestling doesn't have to be hard. It is a big, intricate business. It, it is. There's a lot of moving parts to produce a live TV show, but they got a great production team. They really do. Um, you know, we got a glimpse inside of that. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see that clip of CM Punk's return from inside the camera truck where they're calling all the, the directors, calling all the camera angles and stuff, and you can uh, just see the inner workings of that. So, I mean, they got an airtight production crew. Um, everything looks and runs smooth and professional. You know, I was at a live show. It felt just like a WWE show, no different in the production value or the way that it's run or anything like that, right down to changing out the ring apron and stuff, you know, in between shows or commercial breaks or whatever, you know, they have a crew come out and they take the canvas off and put a clean one on there, um, or reveal the second one underneath that's clean. So... There's that kind of stuff, you know, um, but outside of that, like wrestling is just fun. Just sit there like, uh, 
hey, I want you to wrestle you. You guys can sit down and figure out how you want to tell that story. Here's kind of where I'm thinking. Here's my general direction. I want you to face you for this reason. Figure it out from there. Tell me what you come up with. Run it by me, and I'll give it my stamp of approval. We'll be good to go. That's it. That's all you need. And everybody can help everybody, and everybody can work with each other, and everybody can try to make everybody the best that they can possibly be and bring everything to the table that they can contribute and not be scared to voice their opinion or scared to have an idea or scared to talk to the boss or scared they're going to fuck up or, you know, you don't need any of that kind of shit. And the politics and the, oh, I don't think he's got what it takes and I don't want to work with him or blah, 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 blah. All that shit, that toxic nonsense that lives inside WWE to me, it's just, you know, a guy like Brian, when you don't care the, and you're a big star to boot, then you don't got to worry about it. But when you do care, then you do got to walk on eggshells. And that's a huge problem over in WWE. And that's the kind of shit that, that's got all the rats fleeing the sinking ship. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even saying WWE is sinking, but when you look at it from the outside, I mean, this interview here was from fucking Sports Illustrated. Think about that. Now they're interviewing Brian Danielson and they're asking him about, hey, AEW is this big thing and that's the fresh and that's where all the buzz is and the it's catching on, dude. I've, t- I've been talking about this. There's a lot of AEW haters, so I know a lot of people push back against that, but... They are catching on. They're catching steam. Their uh, their name is starting to be spoke out in the mainstream media. And in the good ways, they're starting to say, oh, this company's got buzz around it. Oh, this company's getting all the big stars. What's going on? Something's happening over there. So this is an important time in the wrestling business. And Brian Danielson, right at the forefront of that. Uh, always interesting to hear backstage stuff, WWE what it's like working around Vince and, you know, the differences between AEW and WWE. It's very fascinating. Good shit. Go check it out. Uh, Sports Illustrated interview. It's on YouTube with Brian Danielson. And uh, it's going to be interesting hearing what a lot of these guys have to say uh, just about working in AEW and, you know, the backstage stuff. I love all that. So let's keep it coming. CM Jesus Christ Punk was on AEW Unrestricted this week, talking with Tony Schiavone, Aubrey Edwards, talking about all kinds of shit, talking about the things you know, you know, why I returned to wrestling, why AEW, blah, 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 blah. Isn't it amazing that all that's just all old hat already? We're already like in it now with CM Punk. I I found myself, you know, uh, I went. I was watching AEW and I ran upstairs to to grab a snack, and then I heard because you know he opened the show. I heard I heard the cult of personality hit, and like I was slow to come down the stairs. And I was like, ah, you know, he's entrance. And then I like paused while I was like in in movement, and I was just like, "Won't you ever fucking say that? Do you know how lucky you are to have?" CM Jesus Christ Punk back on your TV? Show the man some respect and, and run for his entrance every time. Because it's uh, not guaranteed. Ever. Just fanboying out a little bit. Just bear with me here. Look, if we're going to be real with each other on this podcast, then I got to be able to fanboy out a little bit. And you got to give me that. You got to allow me the chance to fanboy out over CM Jesus Christ Punk. Anyway, he was on AEW Unrestricted. And imagine my excitement because it's my job to listen to podcasts for you. So that's what I do. And then uh, I see CM Jesus Christ Punk's name on AEW Unrestricted. And he's talking about... Uh, in particular, this clip right here, I think it was a fan that asked, uh, some kind of fan question, that part of the section, asked about the infamous pipe bomb promo. Check out this clip. You have to be able to talk to get over. I've always felt that. You can be an in-ring worker, but you also got to be able to talk yeah. and to cut a promo, and that you have cut some of the great promos ever. Obviously, 
the pipe bomb one is one that everybody talks about. It is must-see on YouTube. I've looked at it many, many times. When that was going on, did you realize how big that would be throughout the years in wrestling? No, I don't think so. And I always tell this story, too. When I was done with that, I remember walking back up the ramp Mm -hmm. on the fly thinking, well, I can't go through the curtain because I just did this promo. If I go through the curtain kayfabe wise i'm i'm fist fighting somebody yeah so i went i I went like side stage which was just a little another little tiny thing that made people go hmm it was weird and when i got into the back there was nobody anywhere backstage is normally just buzzing people in the hallways it was empty and i remember like looking around like geez what's going on and then i walked past the curtain through gorilla and everybody in the company was jammed into the tunnel waiting to see me come through gorilla because they figured the same thing. They were like, Oh man, this is going to get real, you know? Mm -hmm. And the first person I see is chef Robert Irvine (laughs) because he's there with Gail Kim and he just looks like he just got through like a Dorian Yates chest workout. And he's just like, he's like, that was amazing. And he's like all fired up and like, you know, he's a guy that maybe doesn't necessarily watch a lot of pro wrestling, but it was just like it resonated with him. And then I saw Chris Masters and Chris Masters looks at me and goes, did you just hear what Punk said? And I was like, Chris, it's me. And he was like, oh, oh, it is you. He's like, you're going to get fired, dude. And then I just like walked up and like, it was a weird scene. I didn't know it was going to become as big as it did but i i I knew just based off those reactions i I knew i knew we had some i had texts from some pretty lofty people in the business that i I looked up to and respected so i I knew i i knew i did some some good television let's just say that you would have had one for me had i known your number at that time But, (laughs) but it was like whoa brother anyway I, I use the word history way too much, but historic stuff. It really was. Weird. When he got backstage from that, everybody thought that he was going to get his ass fired. People were waiting to see what was going to happen. Waiting to see how hot Vince was going to be or how hot Triple H was going to be. I wonder how much of that they actually knew up front. Probably not a lot. I think they probably just trusted Punk to go out there and make money. Like uh, Paul Heyman had that uh, clip where he was talking about how that promo that he cut on Vince that one time, I think during the uh, the uh, invasion angle, uh, Vince just let him go. He didn't care what he was going to say. Just trusted him to make it good and just let him cut a fucking shoot promo on him, basically. And I think they kind of did the same thing with Punk. Go out there, cut a little shoot, and, you know, they didn't run it by him line by line, I'm sure. Um, but they knew that he was going to, you know, talk about Vince and talk about Triple H and that kind of thing. And can you just imagine the reaction of the people backstage that didn't know that that was going to happen or didn't know that that kind of stuff could be said out loud? That promo made CM Punk. That was his legendary star-making moment. That was that moment will live in infamy in wrestling history. Now he has two because he's got that probably the what will be regarded as the greatest return in professional wrestling history. So both of those will. I mean, I I'm serious when I say this. Fifty years from now, both of those things are gonna. CM Punk's legend is etched in professional wrestling history. And it was with that pipe bomb promo. That was it for him. And he went on and he he did amazing things in WWE. Don't get me wrong. The whole that whole summer of punk angle that they did in WWE, they really fucked that up. They really had the chance. If if it was me, if I was in charge at that time and I could just had the pencil and could just let shit go, right? I would have opened that forbidden door, so to speak, and I would have let Punk go to Ring of Honor with the WWE title. I would have let him go to New Japan with the WWE title. I would have let him go anywhere he wanted to go and show up with the belt 
and fucking really play up that entire summer that he was gone from WWE. And it went from, like, what, Money in the Bank in June to SummerSlam in August. Woo-hoo, whoop-de-doo. They didn't even, he was back before that even. The idea that he was an outsider looking in, the idea that he left the company with the WWE title, that was such a great story, and they just kind of they blew it off way too quick. They didn't do enough with it. That's something they could have drug out and gotten a lot of mileage and a lot of money out of, really. But you know, and that that money in the bank match with Cena, uh, I mean, Punk had a hell of a run. Uh, even I would argue he had a Hall of Fame run, especially with that pipe bomb. Like I said, just etching himself in history. He probably had a Hall of Fame run, had it ended there. But now he's back for leg two, and this could really be the Shawn Michaels run. You know, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels was out with a back injury. He was gone for four years. Punk seven, so there's a bigger gap, but. Punk has the opportunity, if he's back for a while, to have that whole second run. Look at the career that Shawn Michaels had after he returned. Like he was supposed to be, he had a Hall of Fame career when he dropped the title to Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14. He was, for all intents and purposes, done with professional wrestling at WrestleMania 14. And he just has this epic fucking comeback. Uh, was it was 19 his first Mania back? He was back maybe the SummerSlam before that. Just this epic second run. Amazing Hall of Fame career-level matches. The Undertaker, Kurt Angle. Jesus Christ, what a fucking talent. What a, what a, I, and, and that's not to say that Punk is as good as Shawn Michaels in the ring. He, he's not at all. Um, but. He's or, or that he'll even be as good as he was his first run. But if he's going to be around for a few years, he has the opportunity to do some epic shit while he's here. He had that match with Hobbs. Will Hobbs, dude, I'm telling you, Will Hobbs is a fucking, he is a, a future player. He's definitely going to be a big, big, big time star. He's getting it. You can see shit just clicking with him. You can see progressively see him getting better in the ring and yeah there were some botches and stuff he's still green but just look at him from a year ago or whatever when he started when he came in and he was just starting to kind of show his face on tv man just leaps and bounds give him another five years main event money drawn fucking machine bro anyway Go check out AEW Unrestricted. Listen to the whole interview with CM Punk. And uh, go fuck yourself. Have you ever wondered what goes into building the PWI Top 500 list for the magazine that they put out every single year for Pro Wrestling Illustrated? Well, if you have like I have, check out this clip from Talk is Jericho this past Friday. You know, we have these criteria, but I like to say they're some of the criteria are objective. We look at things like wins and losses, lengths of title reigns, the types of opponents people uh, face. But then that's where it starts to get a little subjective. Like, what what is the quality of competition this person faced? Uh, how good are they from bell to bell? Like, the actual moves they're doing, the, uh, the quality of their matches, that's a little more subjective. And that's where some of the debate comes in. Um, but you kind of look like, okay, what did this person mean to the industry overall? How many of these boxes did they tick and how well did they tick them? This year, I can say for sure, even though we generally do make up our own short lists. That's legit. Like they have real hardcore arguments, discussions. They get into a room and they arm wrestle over it and then they take their clothes off and they fight to the death with fucking spears and shit. And at the end of the day, the week, the month, they're able to hash out the top 500 greatest professional wrestlers in the entire world. When I was a kid, I loved this fucking list. This is how I learned about so many different wrestlers. And this is how, like, 
when a guy would debut in the WWF or they'd debut in WCW or whatever the fuck, sometimes I knew who they were, and that was fucking amazing as a kid. Like the Unabomber, for example. I knew as soon as I saw Isaac Yankum, I knew who that guy was. The PWI 500, if you are a wrestling fan and you've never bought a copy of this or or are not aware of what the PWI 500 is, I highly recommend you go pick up a copy. It's great. It's going to list every best wrestler in the entire world. It's going to have some fun stuff in there as well. Characters and people that you've never heard of before from the independents all the way up to the top of the WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, okay? Jericho, I believe, said that he has made the top 20 for the 10th time in his career. That's fucking insane. But I love how they take the time to sit and put together, well, this guy faced this guy, and that guy was a higher caliber quality of opponent than the guy that this guy faced, and he's got more wins, but he had better matches, and all of this shit gets taken into consideration on how they're going to put together this list, and they stand behind it. They don't just sit there. They don't play politics. They don't say, well, we're going to be on Chris Jericho's podcast, so we're going to put Jericho, we got to keep him in the top 10 so that he'll help us promote and shit. They just put together the list based on them as, at the end of the day, they're wrestling fans and huge nerdy wrestling fans just like us, right? Because they got to know a lot of fucking wrestlers and a lot of fucking information about those wrestlers and have followed their career and watched the programs and such throughout the year to be able to have a good, accurate judgment on this. And they stand behind them. They don't just slop it together. They carefully pick and choose. They argue about it. That's fucking dope. So definitely go pick up a copy of it this year just to support Pro Wrestling Illustrated. One of the few mags that are still around uh, in this day and age. They even have a digital copy as far as I'm aware. So uh, go check that shit out. And uh, talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday, of course, as you know. And uh, on to the next, motherfucker. So it's my job as a podcast journalist and here on this show to review everything that goes on outside the ring, right? Uh, You won't hear me breaking down a Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson match, but what you will hear me breaking down are things like podcasts and shoot interviews and YouTube clips and even TV shows. We've covered Dark Side of the Ring. I did a thing on heels a couple weeks ago. And sometimes it's not the best job in the world, you know? Like, sometimes my job is tough, but as a podcast journalist, I go down deep into the dirt. To bring you the content that you deserve as a wrestling fan. And I had the uh, chance to catch the debut episode of Roads to the Top. Now, I wasn't going to watch this show, actually. I was going to skip it. I'm not a total Divas fan. I've seen it, of course, as a wrestling fan. I've checked it out, and, you know, it's... Guys outside of work that I like, you know, like uh, like seeing Moxley, for example, when he, he had an appearance and like chased some guy down and, you know, Danielson was on there and Cena's on there and that kind of thing. Like, that's fun to watch, but I had no intentions of watching this. But then I was listening to uh, Busted Open and they were talking about Roads to the Top. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got to give it a shot at least, right? Because now it's looking like it's like the AEW behind the scenes reality show, which I would be intrigued to see, you know, if it's just Cody and Brandy, eh, like around the house and their dog and their maid and their kids. And like, that's kind of what I was expecting. Like uh, their trip to the shopping mall. I got to get my hair did, but it's 
you know, she pitched it like, no, this is like uh, AEW behind the scenes, basically. So I checked it out. And, 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 and yes, it is sort of AEW behind the scenes, but it is also very much Cody and Brandy and their we're the power couple, right? Like that's the gimmick of the show is they are AEW's power couple. They almost even like, at least from the first episode, almost made it like aimed at like they're the bosses of AEW. Like they show Tony Khan even, but it's almost like even the way that the camera's positioning things, it almost looks like uh cody's like the boss you know what i mean and and or just as much of a boss and i guess maybe as evps like they had a lot of say up until recently apparently right they lost that so i don't know where that's gonna go on this show but regardless so it's framing cody and it's framing brandy which is worse as the the boss don megas of aew and they're going around glad handing everybody backstage and they're they're telling people like uh you know they covered when ricky starks broke his neck and they had cody kind of like you know this is you know you you can either do it or you can't do it basically uh as far as you know we're gonna give you a microphone and let's see if you can hang on that if you can't oh well so uh there's just Stuff like that, and then Brandy. Brandy had, uh, there was a thing with Jade and Velvet where they were like, uh, uh, like Jade slapped her too hard or something, and then she was, they were all like catty with each other and shit. And Brandy had to go in there and squash it. You two chicks, settle the fuck down. You know what I'm saying? Which kind of seemed staged because Jade was kind of snotty with Brandy, which. I mean, I would be snotty with Brandy too, right? But Jade was kind of snotty with her, and I if she's acting like that backstage, she needs to check herself. Not that Brandy's the boss Don Mega, but that it's just a shitty attitude to have. But I believe she's kind of gimmicking it up. I, you know, it's a drama show. It's a fucking TV reality show. So we know how real the reality gets, right? So... I don't know. It's, you know, they got into some family drama and stuff like that. And it's, it's total divas, but AEW's version of it is really what it is. And uh, so if you like total divas, you like seeing the clips of the backstage stuff and meeting people for like a segment, which is like a minute or two. Uh, for you know, seeing a different behind-the-scenes side of them. There you go. Totally worth it. Worth watching for those little clips. I love that kind of shit. I love those little nuggets. But you're going to get a very healthy dose of Brandy's the queen bitch, Cody's the king of the castle, and they're so in love with each other, and they're so successful together. So that's, that's pretty much what Roads to the Top is. Um... You know, and there'll probably be some kind of drama somewhere in there just built in because it's got to be because it's a TV show. So there it is. That is my review for you of Roads to the Top. Uh, I, I might, yeah, I'm probably going to keep watching, to be honest with you, like if I'm just being real because I'm uh, nerd enough to like to see the behind the scenes stuff and uh, it's not so. Like with Total Divas, it's kind of a chick show, right? So there's that. Like, well, you're hanging with a bunch of girls that want to go shopping and, and get their nails did, and they're mad at their boyfriends and stuff like that. This is at least equal parts Cody and Brandy. So it's not like a Brandy show. Um, it's, it's, you know, you, there is a lot of that behind the scenes AEW stuff. So. All in all, it's worth a watch, at least to see if it's your cup of tea. But Brandy's pretty intolerable. You know, you're not going to magically find out that Brandy's, oh, she just plays up this highly irritating uh, go-away heat, X-Pac heat uh, personality on TV. But she's really just a sweet, awesome, cool person in real life. No. Everything you see about Brandy on TV, 
uh, on on AEW is Brandy. Uh, as far as everything I've ever seen and heard behind the scenes, podcasts, this show now, she's she's pretty extra. With that said, that's about all I'm going to say on this. I'm not going to uh, dip in every week. Like Same thing I said with heels. If anything crazy happens on the show that's really kind of newsworthy or worth talking about that I really want to just rant about or 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 be excited about or share with you guys i'll chime in but otherwise meh you know i'll i'll, I'll check it out here and there we'll, we'll keep tabs on it luke hawks was on the busted open podcast this week talking about heels which we talked about a couple weeks ago that tv show still going strong um waiting for episode seven i guess right now um, but he was also talking about uh, Chris Canyon. He had a good relationship with Canyon. He was in the Dark Side of the Ring uh, episode on Canyon. Had a chance to sit down and watch that as well. Really dark story. Absolutely a good fit for Dark Side of the Ring. Check out this clip with Luke Hawks on uh, his relationship with Canyon and, and some of the things that Canyon had said towards the uh, end of his life here. Check this out. He hit it well. He only really opened up to his close, close friends. And uh, it, it's just because he knew something was wrong. He'd tell me all the time. He'd go, I'm effing crazy. I'm effing crazy. And, you know, he would make up these things. And I think part of the – look, I could be completely wrong. But, but you know, I, I said this on Dark Side of the Ring as well. And I, 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 uh, I hope I don't get chastised for this online. But uh, I'm going to say it anyway because I think people need to know. He was in the closet so long. He did so many things that screwed with him. And, and the people that was close to him did not care. But he often told me in his exact words, everybody hates me because I'm a f or nobody likes me because I'm a f And I would say, you got to stop saying that because that's not true. Right. I'm like, you, you're not even open to half the world or, or you know, 75 percent of the people that you know. You've only opened up to your close friends, which is fine, right? You don't have to put it out there, but you can't. And he would tell me these weird stories. He'd go, man, you wouldn't believe what I would have to do. You know, I would feel like this guy was onto my trail. So I would go out to a bar with that guy and I would hook up with a chick and purposely take her back to the hotel and force myself to have sex with her to make this guy think that I'm not gay. And I go, dude, that's deep, right? When you're going to that level to hide your real identity, and you, I mean, you got to think now he he did this from probably such a young age. Right. This is by this point, he'd been dealing with this for majority of his life. Luke Hawks was on the Busted Open podcast this week talking about heels, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. That TV show still going strong. Um, waiting for episode seven, I guess, right now. Um, but he was also talking about uh, Chris Canyon. He had a good relationship with Canyon. He was in the Dark Side of the Ring uh, episode on Canyon. Had a chance to sit down and watch that as well. Really dark story. Absolutely a good fit for Dark Side of the Ring. Check out this clip with Luke Hawks on uh, his relationship with Canyon and, and some of the things that Canyon had said towards the uh, end of his life here. Check this out. He hit it well. He only really opened up to his close, close friends. And uh, it, it's just because he knew something was wrong. He'd tell me all the time. He'd go, I'm effing crazy. I'm effing crazy. And, you know, he would make up these things. And I think part of the look, I could be completely wrong. But, but you know, I, I said this on Dark Side of the Ring as well. And I, 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 uh, I hope I don't get chastised for this online. But uh, I'm going to say it anyway because I think people need to know. He was in the closet so long. He did so many things that screwed with him. And, and the people that was close to him did not care. But he often told me in his exact words, everybody hates me because I'm a f or nobody likes me because I'm a f And I would say, you got to stop saying that because that's not true. Right. I'm like, you, you're not even open to half the world or, or you know, 75 percent of the people that you know. You've only opened up to your close friends, which is fine, right? You don't have to put it out there, but you can't. And he would tell me these weird stories. He'd go, 
man, you wouldn't believe what I would have to do. You know, I, I would feel like this guy was onto my trail. So I would go out to a bar with that guy and I would hook up with a chick and purposely take her back to the hotel and force myself to have sex with her to make this guy think that I'm not gay. And I go, dude, that's deep, right? When you're going to that level to hide your real identity and you get, I mean, you got to think now he, he did this from probably such a young age, right? This is by this point, he'd been dealing with this for majority of his life. The whole story is super sad, man. It's sad that in that era, people had to be scared to come out as gay because they would think that people would hate them. Like, nobody thinks shit about it now. And, and you know, it, it took time to get there. It took enough time for people to, because people did hide it for so long. Uh, there was a real, culturally, men were supposed to be very macho and, and it just, like, there was a, a stereotype about gay people and I don't know, um, it, it just took more time for that to be, for the acceptance to come through. You know, that generation is phasing out. They're the grandparents now. And now, um, the, the now that the millennials are adults and, and the uh, generation after them... We're starting to see a generation much more accepting of these kind of things. And Canyon just missed that. Like when he came out, he by the time he came out, things were starting to kind of open up in the world and he was safer to to feel like he could. But to carry that weight and that burden and just think there's so many other people out there who also carried that same burden with them. Uh, there's people that I'm sure there's people that we know, whether it's in wrestling or Hollywood even or whatever, that still to this day are not open about it. You know, there's that rumor about John Travolta that he's gay, but that's never, it's never been, you know, never been, uh, what's the, uh, never been proven, we'll say. Substantiated. That's the word I was looking for. Fucking substantiated, bitches. But it was a tough life that Canyon lived, and I think, you know, it wasn't, it probably wasn't the only cause to his mental health, you know, uh, or to his depression. Uh, there might have been some other shit going on in there, or just chemical imbalances, and that mixed with the burden of having, having to hide who he was from the world. Fucked him up, man, and he, he ended up taking his own life, and, uh, you know, he's getting crazy towards the end, according to Luke Hawks here. Uh, I never heard, I, I have no idea who Luke Hawks is. I've never, apparently he was an indie guy and then he was signed to WWE for a little bit. And like, I don't know, people talk about him like I'm supposed to know who he was. I, I have no idea. I've never heard of the guy, never seen him anywhere. Uh, apparently he's been in a lot of movies though. And, and now he's a stunt coordinator and that kind of thing. Like he wasn't really that big of a wrestling star, but he was able to take what he learned in wrestling and apply it to movies. He got himself, uh, got his foot in the door in a movie, and he took it and he ran with it. And he was in another movie, and another. I think he said he's got a hundred movies to his credit now. Um, you know, and he's the uh, the the lead like choreographer guy, like uh, for the stunts and shit like that on the show Heels right now. He's basically agenting all their matches on the show, uh, which is essentially what he's doing there, but. Apparently he's going to be on it. Like the next episode, he's going to be the champion of the rival promotion. So I guess we'll get to uh, see more of him. But uh, we're here to talk about heels, though. It's the it's the Canyon situation. And I definitely recommend going to check out that episode of Dark Side of the Ring if you haven't yet. It was very well done. This wasn't a, a bad one. It wasn't a hit piece at all. It was very tragic, you know, it was a, the, the man, it's, you just feel bad. The young bucks are on, on uh, the episode. Um, Brian Cage is on the episode. And these were people that knew Canyon and, and were able to share. There was that thing with John Cena too. They touched on that. I saw a little smattering of canceled John Cena and that sort of thing. That kind of blew out pretty quick. Um, Look, Cena's been a dick before. He's not, he's a great guy when it comes to like, he's, 
he's a nice guy and he loves kids and doing the right thing and yada 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 yada. But he's also like he's not afraid to like tell you what he thinks or or put you in your place. You know, we've heard stories. He's he's had guys that were held down in the past. What was that guy? Was it Alex Riley? Was that his name? So you don't even remember his name anymore. And he was actually a talent. Miz's old manager there. He was uh, got the kibosh put on him by John Cena. And, you know, you've heard other stories. And you see him on Total Divas. He's kind of a tool bag. So, like, he's a complicated guy. Everybody's got different sides to him. So, you know, Cena saying, like, that Canyon knew it wasn't because he was gay. It was because he sucked. That's harsh words. It is harsh words. But when you look at what WWE did too, uh, Cena was definitely a, a shill for WWE even from the very beginning. Uh, when you see what they did, he you know he essentially came out of the box or came out of the closet, and he was talking you know with the heavy lisp and uh, got the shit beat out of him by the Undertaker. That was a that was a burial. You guys talk about getting buried a lot. Oh, he lost a man. She's getting buried. No. Go YouTube that. If you didn't see it on Dark Side of the Ring, they did play the clip there as well uh, of Canyon getting the shit kicked out of him by The Undertaker. And uh, that's the definition of getting buried. But uh, another great episode of Dark Side of the Ring. I'm, I'm an episode behind. I'm a week behind. You know, there's another one out now that uh, there was, you know, this week's, whatever that was. I haven't even had the chance to look yet. But I'll get to it. I'll get to it. We'll get caught up. Maybe we'll do a doubleheader. We'll cover two episodes on an episode if we get a slow week or something like that. I don't fucking know. I'm one guy doing the best I can for you folks. So deal with it, bitches. Even Jim Cornette is starting to come around. Maybe he's not starting to like the AEW product, but he's starting to believe in the AEW product. Check this out. And all of this talent is coming to him. And he's turning the thing around and it's not necessarily a situation where anybody in AEW has learned anything as much as they're just letting the guys, more of the guys who know what to fucking do, do that because more of the guys that know what to do have now come to work there. And on the other side, almost none of the talent has any fucking any privilege or right or chance to change apparently any of the scripted shit or change their angles or whatever. And it's just fucking brutal. So I think that we're not that far away. And I think Ric Flair would have made a big difference and, you know, maybe hopefully he still will at some point, they'll just let all that die down. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what that. Bray Wyatt's going to do. Um, Steen generico. I was about to say Steen and generico in the next three months, I can see dynamite whipping raw. It's really interesting to see what's going on here and to live through this. Uh, I got a friend who's not a wrestling fan, but he's aware of wrestling. So, like, he gets some of the bigger picture things, but he's not, like, in it, in it, right? So he's aware of Vince McMahon. He's aware Vince is a ruthless businessman. He's aware of some of the Attitude Era storylines and, like, the edgierness. And he's aware that wrestling likes to pretend it's real, but it's not. So he's in one, and he's also a bit of a conspiracy theorist, too. So he's in one, in one of those boats where he thinks that WWE is secretly feeding talent to AEW. Uh, either because he secretly owns it, which obviously I don't believe to be true, or uh, in a way to <clears throat> just help make the wrestling business boom again, just trying to feed some life back into the... I mean, it's. It, I don't believe that, obviously, but just the fact that Vince is giving so much talent up and and great talent from a Malachi Black. Look at what AEW's been able to do with Malachi Black compared to what WWE did with the guy. Um, Ruby Soho off to a great start. Brian Danielson, obviously WWE didn't fuck him up, but Adam Cole, he's not anybody's manager. He didn't have to shave his head, nothing like that. So 
Where we're at right now with pro wrestling, WWE is spoon-feeding AEW. He's spoon-feeding his own competition. He's spoon-feeding the monster that's going to crawl out from underneath his bed and fucking eat him. Now, uh, it's been discussed before here on the show, WWE is not going to get shut down. They're not going to lose-lose. And in fact, in the end, they might probably still end up owning AEW. But for right now... They are looking straight down the barrel of being on the losing end of the ratings again. Being on the shorter end of the TV revenue. Maybe TV revenue starts to lean towards AEW's way. Because they're drawing more ratings. Right now they're not. But all the pieces are in play. And WWE is not doing anything to make their product any better really. I mean they're trying. right? You can see a concerted effort. But is it enough? Is it though? So, we live in a very interesting world with professional wrestling. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where things go, how things turn out. Uh, if AEW can continue to gain strength, gain momentum. If they're going to start to lose and falter and fail and shake and crack and break uh, somewhere along the way. Because right now we're on the, the, it's the honeymoon phase. We're... On the meteoric rise, right? Everything's happy, go lucky, but history has showed us that wrestling companies don't really do well over time. Uh, WWE has lasted, has stood the test of time. AEW wants to. You know, they plan to be here in 20 years, 30 years, but will they? Time will tell. But right now, Vince is spoon feeding that monster and they are continuing to grow and continuing to get more dangerous. My man Sean Waltman made an appearance on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson this week, talking all about the NWO. And in this particular clip right here, Waltman breaks down how he felt about being a part of both the NWO and Degeneration X, which one was better to him, and how he feels about the two. Check this out. More recently, um, looking back on the NWO stuff, man, I look, I'm, I'm having them. Um, it's a, it's way cooler than I, than I, than I thought. Like, cause you know, I, I left and I went to D- DX and we were doing all that. And like, it's easy to get all caught up in that, but man, it was, I wouldn't have been in DX if it wasn't Grand NWO. DX would have been done after Sean left. That's it. like, this is, um, yeah, man, I'm, like if people used to go, oh, which which one do you like better, DX, NWO? And I would always say, well, I made more money in DX, but like a what? None of it would have happened, but one for NWO. So I don't think anybody can argue that there wouldn't be a DX without the NWO. DX was the NWO's answer, or DX was the answer to the NWO, I should say. Uh, NWO was hot. WWE needed something. They went the Attitude Era. They went more edgy. See, WCW Nitro went realistic. They went like real guys with real names doing real storylines that you would think would happen in an adult professional wrestling. If we had a company of professional wrestling and these were just real guys, adults, grown men, tough guys, what would happen? And this is what WCW was. WWE countered that with we're going to be like South Park was at the time and like Howard Stern was at the time. We're going to be edgy. We're going to do, you know, Jerry Springer. We're going to do that kind of shit. So DX was the answer to that. And Waltman was a game changer for both. Waltman brought the cool factor to the NWO uh, when he showed up and he was the sixth man, thus being six. Plus, uh, you know, Bischoff uh, says that it's also a play on one, two, three for one, two, three kid. So Waltman shows up and he brings that cool factor. And he's a little bit dirtier and he's a little bit edgier and he's he's the one, two, three kid no more. And then when he flipped back over to DX, he essentially he was six. You know, Sean Waltman. 
the one, two, three kid was like a young man, uh, an up and comer. And then he remember he sold out to Ted DiBiase for a little bit. That was fun. But you know, he had the clean baby face and all of that. Uh, and then he grew the, the beard and he was just a little bit dirtier and grizzlier and, and edgier in the NWO. And he took that grit and that edge and brought it over to the, to back to WWE, to DX. And he brought that grit and that edge to DX. He was the perfect ingredient to a new DX, <clears throat> right? If Shawn Michaels was going to be gone, it's like, like Waltman said, uh, DX would have been dead after Shawn left. And that's a, that's, I truly do believe that. Once Shawn Michaels left, Triple H was not a big enough star to carry that on his own. But the outlaws were getting over on their own. Pre-DX, they were already getting over and they were edgy. And Waltman being just jumping ship, so it was the surprise factor. Guy showing up from WCW. Guy showing up from the NWO, nonetheless. Guy that was well known to be part of the clique, so friends with Triple H. And he came in and he cut that hot promo on Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. Man. DX was off to the races, and then later that night, they added the Outlaws. Boom. They were reborn, and in my opinion, were better than the Shawn Michaels Triple H version of DX. I never liked the Shawn Michaels Triple H version. I got a little bit of a kick out of the reboot Triple H Shawn Michaels version, you know, when they had Hornswoggle in and they spray-painted DX on the, on, the, on the building and stuff, the WWE building. Like, that kind of stuff was fun. But it was fun, you know? It was, like, just goofy, like, antics, you know? But, yeah, it was great shit. I loved being a part of that era. And uh, Sean Waltman, a crucial part of that whole era, both on the NWO and DX side. Go check out that interview, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, special guest Sean X-Pac Waltman. Thank you guys again for taking the time to check out the show, listening all the way through. I appreciate your fandom. I appreciate your support. Uh, I love doing the show. I love talking about wrestling and wrestling podcasts, and it's just a huge passion of mine. Another huge passion of mine has been this NFT project I've been working on. Told you about the last couple weeks. And I am here to tell you that it is officially launched. That's right. My NFT project is now off the ground. Some of you don't even know what the fuck an NFT is. Some of you do know and don't care or think it's stupid. There's probably just a handful of you that actually know what the fuck I'm talking about, care what the fuck I'm talking about. So I'll make this quick. I now have NFTs available. <clears throat> they are Pro Wrestling Inspired NFTs, those are available on OpenSea.io, and you can just search for Cryptomania, like Hulkamania, but Cryptomania with an exclamation point at the end, like you're excited. Cryptomania exclamation point is going to get you where you need to go, or you could search also Cryptomania NFT. Both are going to get you to where you need to be. And boy, oh boy, I'm excited about these projects. You can also follow on Twitter at CryptomaniaNFT to where we're going to be giving away some free NFTs. So if you've been wanting to get your foot in the door in the NFT game, you got a crypto wallet and you're that far, you're at least invested in some kind of crypto, you got a wallet where I can send shit to, I'll send you a free NFT to dip your toe in and get fucking started. Own some fucking art, bitches. That's what it is. It's wrestling-inspired art, and we're having some fun with it, and we are in a new digital age, and I'm excited to bring it to you. You can also just follow me if you'd like. I am at Seth Grimes Media. That's on Facebook and Twitter if you do the Facebook thing still. And if you do do the Facebook thing... Doo -doo. You can also search at WrestleMedia, and that's going to be our little uh, profile page for the Facebook, and you can also search WrestleMedia on YouTube, 
where you can see our videos. We got clips, we got full episodes, we got reviews, and we got lots of other shit coming down the pike, man. We're going to start to get real content heavy. This NFT project was a big one that I was getting off the ground. Got a lot of other projects in the work, man. We are just going to keep doing it. We're grinding. We are here to stay, and we're going to continue to build Just try to build this brand and do it big. So I appreciate you guys being on board, supporting. Uh, Hopefully you like the show. If you don't, leave comments. Let me know why, and we'll try to fix it for you uh, without being a sellout bitch, of course. And I I just, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for sticking around. This has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. (laughs) 